0: Hey everybody, welcome to our second episode of Behind the Stories, Breaking Down the Darkness. The four of us sat down to chat about the experience of writing, running, and playing in Painting Darkness, and give a bit of a teaser of what's to come next. Speaking of which, today we're also releasing a trailer for our next story, Static. Okay, onward to the show. are mostly clean, but are
1: I don't know who they are. But you got to take this along. Implications.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to Stories and Lies in this uh, wrap up edition for Painting Darkness. Uh, I'm Taylor. I'm the uh, GM of this scenario, and I've got with me Tom. Hello. Hey, hi, Tom.
2: Hey, I, this is Tom. I'm, I'm Tom Ogus. I play Arjun Singh.
0: I've got Wes. Hey, guys. Wes. And I play Eugene Kranst. And Matt.
3: Hey, guys. Uh, I played Fred, Fred Fontaine.
0: And uh, we're here going to talk about the uh, the game we played. We've finally released everything, and we've been pretty excited to uh, uh, get this out there and, and talk about it and stuff. So I guess I just wanted to start by asking you all a question: What uh, what were your impressions of the scenario? Who
3: wants to start? I'll go. It was it was dope. Yeah. Um, really liked how you right out of uh, out of the bat we were talking about kind of making a flashback story for Fred and how, how he became his cold-ass self in uh, Ladybug, Ladybug, Fly Away Home. Um, yep. And how I wanted to kind of inject some Canadian M-Epic history into his old background, uh, which was kind of prepared in advance, but not, not what we played, not Painting Darkness. Uh, so basically, it was a, a very graceful, very uh, uh, interesting scenario that kind of took place in, into, into that whole trajectory. Uh, that kind of explains how we ended up, uh, and and even the research that you did in the uh, the the, of the north uh, of Quebec and that whole area, that whole island, uh, really really came through. Uh, since well, I live maybe four hours by car from from that place, so it it, it really showed uh, that uh, a lot of research was done. So yep, I really enjoyed it.
0: Oh awesome, well, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, I think a big part of that um, intention was to try to make it feel. Fairly realistic to what that would be like, you know, being in Canada. Obviously I suck at using the metric system. So a lot of it <laughs> ended up being uh, an Imperial, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's, it is what it is. Uh, Tom, do you have any, anything you wanted to say?
2: Yeah. So um, with the story, and this is, this is a great homebrew. I really, I really appreciate the story and how it turned out and what you did to it as far as all the backstory, the characters that you inhabited within it. And, and I feel bad because I'm sure you put a lot of work into all those people. You know, from uh, oh my god, gosh, I, I'm blanking on the name of the the science. Alpha Squad. It, it, not Alpha Squad in particular, but the people from the science group who's uh, uh, the
0: Chronos. Chronos, there Research. we go with a K. Yeah.
2: Kronos mm-hmm. with a K. You had all the characters. You had them um, all images of all of them. You knew who they were, ages, backgrounds, names, all this. And yep. um, and we were just like about <laughs> to kill every one of them. <laughs> like, impunity. Like, yep. Thankfully, hey, that's we did. Totally cool. But it was like, I, mean, I feel a little bad. I'm like, Taylor put so much work into these people and we're just going to abuse them. And, and that was kind of them.
4: murder hobo that a little scenario bit. was, yeah.
2: Yes. And so that, I that want to say it. Totally cool. A couple more things. Um, the setup you had with with a missing team um, yes. is such a blank slate for us as characters and also as players where we have no idea what to expect. Like, it's not like here's a particular crime scene with a, a particular oddity. You know, like, or oh, yep. an item or a clue right at the beginning. We're like, oh, this has something to do with whatever. And our minds are like going that direction. You know, where there's so, almost all these stories have a particular hook that gives us a tip off to what the unnatural is. This one is just find these people somewhere out there. Yep. We don't know a, a damn thing about On what this happened to them. spooky ass island. To. This gigantic, massive, spooky island that shouldn't even exist in the first place. because The Canadians dammed all these rivers up. They made an yep. eyeball in the middle of the forest, you know, so that was, that was cool. I mean, we were going in there with completely no idea what to expect at all.
0: Yeah, that was uh, one of the interesting things, um, putting it together. And we talked a little bit about this, um, but I don't think, I don't think it really made it into any of the episodes, but um, Matt, as you were saying, research was kind of a part of the the prep for this. And what happened was I was, um I was trying to figure out where to set this because you had mentioned you wanted it to be in Fred's backstory. You, you said Quebec and I was just kind of scrolling around Quebec on the Google maps. And I stumbled across this basically perfect circle of a lake that has this Island in the center of it. And I just started looking into it. Like, what is this? Where did it come from? Why is it a circle? All this stuff. Uh, and discovered that it is an Island. It's a real Island. It's been around for, um, a very long time. It, it, it has only really been an Island for the last 50 or so years um, because it was dammed up in the seventies. But uh, the actual crater that forms the lake the way that it is has been around for 214 million years, which is a very long time. And when I saw that, that it was a, it was a meteoric crater. That was, I think almost instantly when I knew something fell here and um, I, I felt like, you guys did a good job exploring um what was going on here trying to figure it out trying to piece the the um symptoms together uh but it still really wasn't until the very end um when you confronted this thing that you discovered what it was mm-hmm. um, anybody want to talk a little bit about what what you found down there in the caves
2: I, I'm I'm assuming that the audience should know by now
0: uh, yep
2: but I I'm, I'm trying to remember cuz it's it's been a while since we played this if if it I don't think we ever said in the recording, like in character, because I don't think I don't we think actually so knew. Like nope. our our characters didn't know the name. Like we just yep. like my character didn't know the name. So I mean, um, and we you've explained to us afterwards, of course, and we've had a great deal of fun, going into it uh, about the freaking color out of space. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, come on.
4: Yeah, the color is not necessarily a name I ever thought was going to be the big bad. Right, the color.
3: We said like. Towards the very end, like the color, like like these weird colors. But that's a like that's the extent of what we said. Yep. By that point, I think it was like thirty minutes before we went down there. I was like, oh fuck! Like I think it's we were kind of all wondering like what what it was. And I was like, I th- it might be a color out of space. And and then it was like, fuck yes, <laughs> it is <laughs> such nope. a a killer uh, killer mythos. Well, mon monster isn't even the right term. <laughs>
0: thing entity entity yeah yeah
3: Yeah. it's just some alien thing Mm -hmm.
0: let me pull this up because i have um i have a quote that i wanted to read uh, about this which i shared with you guys the other day yep but um i love this quote i think it's near the end of the of the story that was written by lovecraft what it is only god knows in terms of matter i suppose the thing ami described would be called a gas but this gas obeyed laws that are not of our cosmos this was no fruit of such worlds and suns as shine on the telescopes and photographic plates of our observatories. This was no breath from the skies whose motions and dimensions our astronomers measure or deem too vast to measure. It was just a color out of space, a frightful messenger from unformed realms of infinity beyond all nature as we know it, from realms whose mere existence stuns the brain. And numbs us with the black extra cosmic gulfs it throws open before our frenzied eyes. I just absolutely love that line. And and so, preparing for this scenario was the first time I read the story, The Color Out of Space. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had seen the movie, uh, the Nicolas Cage movie, uh, ahead of time. and I was kind of surprised in reading the story, how much of it was actually very similar to the movie. Yep. Uh, and I just rewatched the movie the other day uh, with a friend of mine. And, and, you know, it, it's remarkable how they were able to take this story and, and use the basic components of it and turn it into a really modern tale. But, um, uh, some of you, or maybe all of, you know, there's another, uh, major inspiration for painting darkness. Obviously the color out of space was one, but, uh, I was also really inspired by Annihilation, um, which I know we've talked about a little bit. Uh, I have not read the books. I have seen the movie a few times, and I'm a big fan of that movie. But yep. um, a, the way that this came about was uh, encountering the the world around you turning strange and volatile and um, twisted, which while it is sort of a part of the color out of space, uh, there there are elements to that that... I think um, the crossing over of DNA and the, you know, plants and animals blending together that I, I, I pulled more from annihilation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious, what did you guys feel when you first, um, discovered on the Island and you first encountered, um, something that was different. I, and I don't remember what it was specifically, but it was, it was when you came to the base of the, uh, of the cliff, right where you found, um, alpha squads camp. um, Started seeing the plants that were different. Uh, Eugene seeing this sort of fox, uh, um, raccoon creature. What did you guys think when you started encountering this kind of stuff?
2: I, 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 also, I thought it was Shub Niggeroth. Same. <laughs> so I was thinking, like, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's random, spontaneous, uh, uh, chaotic growth. It's yep. growth, you know, and it's in its most chaotic primal form. And that's, just, uh, that's where I was leading in my, you know, but obviously it wasn't, but it was, you know, I was thinking it was something like that.
0: That's really interesting. I don't know a ton about that, uh, entity. Um, I want to learn more though. I I actually, I just bought the, uh, um, black goat of the woods module for, um, Mm. Cthulhu death may die. So I'm excited to learn a little more about that. But, uh, how about you West? Did did you, when you, when you were, when Eugene was sitting there fishing, saw the scientists, you know, come by and and saw this raccoon Fox creature. how, How do you think Eugene reacted or how did you react as a player?
4: Well, some of it we were prepared for because it was mentioned early on, either talking to the Rangers or something, that they'd seen like a, a moose with two heads or something like something like that was mentioned early on, right? So yep. yeah, split head moose. Eugene is a reflection of me as a player, and me as a player, I don't have all of this uh, Cthulhu and Lovecraftian knowledge to pull from. So, like, I went to biology. I went to, uh, like, mutations and stuff, radiation. Like, what is, what's a natural phenomenon explanation is where Eugene and I were at for that. And Eugene was still, like, mostly in denial for a large part of It's, like, this shit's happening, but we weren't seeing it. Like, that's why he kept fishing and looking for
0: tangible proof Mm-hmm. Uh, and you found it. You found oh, yeah. that, that fish, that cowfish. God, that was so funny. Which is still
4: like that had to smell crazy on a fire. Oh yeah. Oh, it probably smelled just like cooking beef.
2: Yeah, yeah. barbecue man. But right.
4: it was a fish. Like it would just be amazing. Um, Eugene definitely would have eaten some. There's no way scientist Eugene doesn't eat some. <laughs> I can't imagine Arjun partaking, but that would have been an interesting (laughs) conversation. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, he's hiding that.
4: No, (laughs) he knows too much, right? Like, there's just no way. And with the little
0: bit I know now, like, it's not a good plan. Well, you know, um, probably not, right? But uh, a lot of it, I feel like I was kind of making up on the fly. Um, I had, I had a framework in my head and I, actually, uh, to give you guys a peek behind the curtain a little bit, there were, um, six different stages of the infection, the, of the radial affected zone. So as you get deeper into it, you keep increasing through these stages. Um, some of them are a lot more subtle than others, you know, things like an increase of, uh, of color saturation or, uh, a slight shift of color or the increase of like size of fruits and, and, you know, stuff like that, but it keeps getting, um, more and more twisted as it goes through, um, which I pulled from, from the book, from uh, color out of space. Oh, cool. Um, and just okay. kind of, I gave them names, so, you know, like I, I labeled them like stage one, stage two, stage three, and I put down some rules for each of them rules for plants and rules for animals. And so I was basically pulling off of that whenever describing some of the specific things, just thinking, you know, in, in the moment, like, okay, there's an animal that runs by you're at roughly stage three at that point when you're, when you're out by the, out by the pond fishing um what is that like or you know you fish up this this cowfish what what is that like and you kind of just pull um pull things from i mean it's chimera right you're 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 blending things together you're changing it you're making it um strange or or surreal um i think was kind of what i was going for anyway
1: mm.
0: um but matt how about how about you and fred you know i think maybe the first exposure um for fred aside from the fish was um seeing the uh, the scientist um, I think it was Alan Thompson uh, with his leg kind of ripped open, and seeing the the plant fibers replacing the muscle. Yeah what what were what were your reactions or what was Fred's reaction in that moment?
3: Ever ever since the start of the scenario, I was I was looking to up the ante with Fred to kind of explain well justify somewhere why he's in in Ladybug adapted to violence. Uh, lucky me, I had like four chances to do so. Um huh, yeah. Yep. Um, but i knew i was also looking for a way out or like something to justify why he got the fuck off of, of m epic and why is he like in texas in the first place why like why did he leave canada um and i think when he saw that weird like plant fiber leg that was the moment he was like i'd right, fuck this <laughs> i'm i i'm, <laughs> I'm going to see this through for the people around to kind of do the mission i was given and then i'm going to dip I'm, i am i am going to leave um yeah I I really liked how, and I think it's somewhere in the handler's guide, or, or maybe it was it was maybe a post by that willer on his Patreon, or maybe Shane Ivy, of how um, the unnatural can be kind of wonderful at times, uh, and it, it, it felt that way to me in uh, in painting darkness as we kind of came through like the color saturation, the saturation like you, you like we saw it like uh, vegetation was, was beautiful, was outgrown, f- fruits were, were ripe. But as we kind of continued on, it was more and more kind of like decayed and, and and wrong. Um and how even in how it's enticing and beautiful, it's still very much dangerous. Uh like even like yep. the, the little necklace to kind of understand animals and speak to them, our brains aren't made for that. So like yes, it's useful, yep. but like it's it's still unnatural and strange. And if you use it all the time, you're gonna well go crazy. So it was really like a cool spin on the unnatural, I felt like.
0: Cool. Uh, I'm glad you felt that way. Uh, And with that necklace, um, you know, uh, at one point Eugene put it on and and kind of tried to reach out to animals that were deeper into the zone. And, you know, it's already probably difficult with normal animals, but you, you gain some kind of... Uh, information there's so, sort of a communion I, I picture it more as wordless I mean, we, we described it a lot as words but mm. I kind of pictured it more as like emotive um, sort of feelings uh, but when you when you're reaching out to something that's been that corrupted um, it, it must just be incredibly difficult to comprehend what you're what you're picking up um, the think yeah, it would be I, like the
4: translator missing or you're missing part of the lexicon
1: uh-huh.
0: yeah absolutely I I um I don't regret this. But Oh, no, you don't. I I do wish that you guys had used the the necklace to communicate with the uh, the thing inside the box. Oof. Oof. Um, oh,
2: that oof.
0: Yes. Eugene was about to, but he he would have <coughs> gone unconscious basically. Yeah, and and I, I, Like you told discovered- me not to
4: basically.
0: Yeah. Well, I said I said you could, but it wouldn't necessarily be a great idea. So here's the thing. Um and I could be wrong about this, but I have learned since then more about how willpower works. My understanding is that you go unconscious at 0. Um you at 1 and 2, you have an emotional breakdown. So that's not quite the same thing. I think it would have been maybe safer um for for Eugene to do that in that moment, but um the, the, the story is not about that box, right? right? That, that box is there really just to show you that, um, Kronos is doing something. They Kronos is in the know when it comes to the same kind of stuff that M Epic is in the know about, and they are actively exploiting it for, you know, capitalist reasons. Um, they're, they're that slice. They're the kind of, um, uh, March industries slice mm. of, uh, of the Canadian side of things A you know, private corporation, um, knows about this stuff. And is is doing everything they can to make money on it. Um Mark just wanna tell the audience? Is like
4: Canada's version of uh or it's like uh, Delta Green's version of like uh the umbrella corporation or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it could be similar to that, yeah. It's like objectively uh, evil corporation with a good front that works for the government on
0: super secret shit. So oh, I, we'll, I, get
1: there.
2: You know, we'll get there. I think <laughs> okay.
0: ab- ab- objectively evil is maybe not the best label for it um, because I feel like all of these organizations, ultimately they're run by people and, and they're run by people who believe that they're doing the right thing in one way or another. Yep. They think that what they're doing is, they, they don't picture themselves as, as bad guys or as evil. And I feel that that is often the case in real life too. And people that, that do bad things, uh, right. you know, from maybe from our perspectives, um, they've convinced themselves that they're not um, doing bad most of the time. But would you guys want to tell the audience what was in that box? Yeah, man. Let's,
2: let's oh, open the it
4: audience up. didn't get to hear it. that was nope off yeah. recording. <laughs> Yep. I don't even know what it is, but I know that people care.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a Shogoth. <laughs> Taylor just dropped yep. that on us at the end of the session like, "Oh yeah, it's a Shogoth in that box." Um, yep. So, quint, you know, quintessential fucking Lovecraftian goo. That's super intelligent and 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 just really rocks your shit essentially. Uh, the thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, basically.
4: Yeah. Communication with it, I don't feel like would have been good. Mm-mm. No. Like I don't feel like it would have definitely wouldn't have driven us towards any positive objective no. accomplishment.
0: At, that's why I made the box basically impossible to break open. Um, you probably could have if you spent enough time and like were really determined. I probably would have <laughs> let you open it up, but then a shogoth would appear and you'd have to deal with that or die. Um. So you know, but I, but again, I, I just put it there as as like, um, you know, here's this building out in the middle of the woods on a on a remote island. Um, how the hell is this research facility getting power? Well, maybe they've got generators. Oh, generators make noise. Okay, what if it's a an unnatural generator? And what if it's some kind of a box that they've invented that functions as basically an endless battery? And the reason I put a Shogoth in it is because a long time ago, I don't remember if this was on RPPR or some podcast I was listening to ran a scenario that involved one. And they're at least in that scenario, they're electrically conductive. And I figured, well, okay, maybe they could find a way. They're also, um, self-regenerating. Yep. Uh, maybe they could find a way to use that information to create some kind of a battery cell that just works forever. And, uh, obviously, unlimited energy, renewable, per- permanently renewable energy is something that um, has always been kind of a hot topic in the world of inventions. Um, I think it's certainly the kind of thing that in in you know evil corporation like this would create and hold on to and use for their own ends. Oh, yeah. yeah,
2: that's pretty
0: cool. Man, if Willow ever dies, I know what I'm doing next.
2: A shoggoth? Hey, <laughs> Wait, what are you doing <laughs> next? And now, now I gotta know. <laughs>
4: Um, you going to make a Shoggoth character? Fuck, I had his name for a second. The really nerdy Ghostbuster.
2: Oh, Egon, Spang. Egon. I, yep. I love that guy.
0: Mm hmm. A playoff. Would you believe it if I said, uh, I've still never seen Ghostbusters? What? I mean, it's so permeated okay, in you're, culture, Okay, you have Friday. to know who Egon is. <laughs> like, you have to understand
4: process. The original one, like, from the. In the 80s,
2: 90s, yeah, the with 80s. 80s.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that one. I know a ton about it. I've just never seen it.
2: Yeah, it, it's one of those movies that gets better every time you watch it. Yep. It's like the yeah. jokes, the jokes, all the inside jokes and things you start figuring out and just the, the, the overacting and this, the, the one liners. <laughs> and yeah, there's some great stuff in that movie.
0: Overacting
4: is a mild statement.
0: <laughs> one of the things I wanted to talk about um, is the final scene. Um, so I, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before or not, but I have to you guys. I don't know if I have mentioned it on the podcast or not. Um, I ran this scenario before I ran it with you guys, um, with a group at, at home, um, a local group, and they played it so differently from how you played it. And they gave me a lot of really, really good feedback about, um, different elements of it. Uh, for instance, they totally skipped Manikwagon. They completely just drove right through it. Uh, and they said part of the reason they did was because it didn't feel like it was a necessary place to go. Uh, and, and you guys obviously spent some time there. You, you, you know, chewed the scenery a little bit. You met some of the people I wanted you to meet. And, um, then, uh, after, you know, you get through the Island, you end up in this, uh, labyrinth, this sort of, um, uh, cave crystalline, you know, um, bismuthine labyrinth underground. And that was an area that, changed pretty heavily the way that that we approached it in in our version of that um was was shortened quite a bit from what i had done originally which was i i wanted to make it really feel like a maze and somewhere that you would need to fight to get through um and i didn't really do a good job with that uh it it kind of ended up feeling like okay we're just lost you know and taking corners and stuff that don't really lead anywhere and we have to backtrack and, you know, we're rolling dice a bunch. So you guys did roll dice. Um, and I think you succeeded on most of them, but if, if you ever failed my, my plan or, or maybe what I did, I don't remember exactly, um, was to, to kind of lead you, um, in a direction that would, that would get you further, but, um, with a twist. Um, and I think that was when, you know, you, you ended up coming across the dead bodies of, um, the alpha squad members. Um, gotcha. And you're, you're down there in basically just pitch blackness. I mean, it's absolutely dark. Um, and you encounter for the first time, uh, the color, uh, the color out of space. Uh, what, what was that moment like for you guys playing through that? So did you guys immediately know what it was?
4: That's my question on like, that.
0: Cause I had like, it
2: was just a thing to me. I mean, I, I knew what it was. I'm trying to remember the moment when... I, I mean, he, I think he just described it to us, essentially, with the colors. And I was like, oh, I, okay, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, but it was at the very, very end when he was describing what it was. Uh, I wasn't picking up, of course, the um, how it sucked all the life and all the color and everything else. Right? I wasn't picking that up as a player. So it was good when he finally revealed it at the end. Right.
0: What... What about you, Wes? You said you didn't know what it was even when I was describing it, but how did you feel in that moment when you you come across this unnatural, this very clearly unnatural thing that is kind of beyond explanation? How did you feel? How did Eugene feel? Uh, this is how it ends.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one, one more thing is I, I also was feeling like there's nothing we can do about this. That was also yeah. my second thought, like, oh, it's a color. There's nothing we can do. I was like, we can't do anything about... We, we can't defeat this thing. We can't... <laughs> we, we are helpless against this. So it was kind of cool that we actually like, had a way out, which was
3: sub- it was great. It was yeah, great
4: helpless though. would be the word that Eugene felt. Yeah. Like, it
3: was just like, fuck. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Matt? Mechanically, I was curious what it could do. Because um, I had read its like, stats like a long time ago in the Handler's Guide... So it was like, okay, it's here. And it was like, it felt like it was stalking us. Like how you said it just kind of appeared out of the wall, then receded. Yep. Like we can't catch up with it. It will catch up to us. Uh, right. So like, what, what the fuck do we do? And what, what can it do? Um, so, so my question would, would be this, actually. When we, we were just slightly deeper in and we had these very surreal, uh, uh, pretty terrifying dreams. Was that the color feeding yep. on us?
0: that's a great question. Um, so you guys all rolled power checks at that point. I don't know if you remember that. Um, those, those power checks, I think two of you succeeded, um, or maybe you all succeeded. I don't remember exactly. Um, but yeah, that was basically to try to gauge how much you were affected by the, the Raz essentially. So the way that it works is, um, you've got kind of this, this, um, you've got the color, right? Which is a entity that's sort of, you know, we can think of it as sort of being a, a gas, um, like in that description or a a cloud of, of radiant colors. Um, but you also have its surrounding effect, which is this large radius. Right. Um, the fact that you were inside that area. So that was the, the alpha, the alpha squad camp was inside the Raz. So was the Kronos camp. They were on the outer edges, but they were inside it and everybody was being affected by it. Um, Mm. And you, you spent the night there and I think that's absolutely what was happening uh, in my head, at least was you being affected by um, the influence of this thing, um, twisting, twisting your brain, maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. the the same way it might have twisted Norris's brain into (laughs) what it became physically. Um, You know, he was there for six months. You guys were only there for a a day or two days inside the, inside the space.
2: Right. I want to ask with your playtest team, how did they get rid of the color? What did they do?
0: Oh my god, it was atrocious. You don't want to know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Share it. What what happened? Okay.
0: Um let's see. They all went down into the into the cathedral. Um in that incarnation of it, the cathedral was a giant bowl basically. Um it was like basically a giant crater. And uh and I I told them this as they approached the ledge of it at the very top kind of the, the lip of the bowl I told them like there's a large slope that goes down um, you know however many feet 20 30 feet something like that and they decided to jump down there they didn't do any kind of spelunking gear which they had with them but um, they just jumped straight down and, uh, and got into the situation and when they encountered the color at the pond they um, decided they needed to leave they tried a variety of things they tried shooting it a few times um, they had, I don't think you guys got this, but one of the magical artifacts was these little paper pouches filled with, um, uh, a powder that was basically, uh, it was a, like, um, you light it and throw it or just throw it or whatever. And it explodes oh, okay. uh, and it does withering. Oh. Um, yeah. that,
2: there was that, that incense we found, but we found that from the chronospace is where we recovered that incense. Is that what it was?
0: No, the incense was something else oh, okay. um, there. Yeah. The, and, and when, when we played it, I kind of mixed up a couple of things so that I could make it a little more interesting, a little more unique. Um, like I think originally the incense was the um, speech of birds and beasts hmm. that the necklace became and the necklace was something. Oh, oh the necklace was uh, your ability. Clair, or not clairvoyance. Uh, is that clairvoyance or fascination? The clairvoyance. Clairvoyance. Is,
2: clairvoyance makes sense. Yeah.
0: Um, the stones were always memory stones. Um, the spike is always the spike. Uh, that was the most important one. And I I absolutely wanted you to find the spike. And if you didn't go to alpha squad, if you went straight to the chrono space, I probably would have put it there. Mm. Um, but you, you need that spike in order to, um, do what you did, which, which is sort of seal the gate. Um, and that whole scene at the end there was one of my favorite things. Oh, my God. I, uh, I was cracking up with, um, with Eugene fishing in this pond. <laughs> this this <laughs> pond of muck and gray ash and all this stuff. And then, you know, pulling out this fish. I think, I think it was either critical success or a critical failure was the crit- uh, on the fishing roll. Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah. this stone came with it that was this, this last piece that you needed, this 33rd stone. Mm-hmm. And I think afterwards somebody, I think it was Wes, was like, wait, weren't there only 32 letters in the alphabet? <laughs> no, there were always 33.
3: <laughs> I promise. It's, uh,
0: it's one of my favorite moments, GMing. You just got to roll with it
3: and oh, yeah. uh, make stuff happen. Just roll with the punches. Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: the reason Eugene fished in that particular instance was to demonstrate what I said earlier, right? Like he, was, he expected to check out at any time, so he was definitely going out yep. fishing.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And, yeah. and and you ended up saving uh, saving all three of you, basically. Yeah, I, w-
2: I want to talk about that because there was a great sense of doom and foreboding that we had in the last, I don't know, if it was the last totally. three episodes, last two episodes, where it's more like, two we're going to sure. go in here into the into the depths of this, you know, this infected zone where no one has come out. You know, and we're also talking about, you know, we get may I'll be quarantined for the rest of our lives. This could yep. essentially mutate us you know we we're like we're like guys walking into the nuclear the nuclear reactor you know right. we're, we're getting radiated you we know we're, we're probably not going to survive this and we're bringing fred with us too a character that we probably want to survive <laughs> so uh, i think and i he even tried had, I, I, I yeah i had a little speech in, in the last episode where i'm like trying to i, I knew fred i knew that matt wasn't going to do it but i am like i got to at least give it give it a shot this maybe this is how fred survives Yep. He stands guard while, while we
3: go yeah. down there and we die. We kind we, we of talked about it. We were like, hey, let's yeah. just tease at, like, oh, that's why Fred is still here because he, like, left. They're like, no, mm. no, he went down too. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit of hope there at the end for the audience. They're like, oh, Fred's gonna
2: survive. Nope. Fred's going mm-hmm. into. No, he's going yeah. as well. Yeah.
4: And I just can't imagine Fred not, right? Like, yeah. He's too much of a protector.
3: Yeah. To... But he's, he was security. So, like, he, he yeah. Yep. He's gonna go with you. Gotta. Yep.
0: That's it, exactly that's why Damian Randolph went. Yep. You know, and um, and, and it worked out so perfectly that at the end of it, you collectively you all had enough power to share, and it ended up knocking out um Eugene and um Arjun. Yeah. Completely, and and, and Fred was left with just just a couple points of willpower left, um, and was able to wake up. Uh Tom and West, do you guys want to say what you think happened to um Eugene and arjun I, you want to leave it a mystery
2: I, I well I like to leave it a mystery. I do think the characters are alive I don't think there's any reason they would have died down there. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy enough for them to find their way out. We just fall the water back mm-hmm. up if they had enough supplies in the water th- th- I think those two characters they weren't injured you know to you know they they're gonna make it out, Tom. yeah and then all they have to do essentially is is get within radio range and get get help um, i was hoping they could fix their boat but we don't have to <laughs> but eventually i think they get off the island i think they capture those scientists and they end up with a whole bunch of interesting gear you know and toys for m epic you know sure. to play with the question is of course i know that fred wants to get the hell out i mean does fred just does he two, two week notice or does he just I'm on vacation and never come back.
3: No, he fucking books it. He d- he uh-huh. doesn't he doesn't say a peep. He doesn't say a word. Uh, he <clears throat> probably with the scientists would have tried to like kind of repair the boat. Would have fucked off uh, and would have made yep. sure that there was like a, a way for people to kind of leave the island still. Uh, so maybe like say, like tell the rangers to like send a boat or something. Um, sure, but well, that'd be cool if yeah. Fred gets the piece, gets off the island,
2: and tells the rangers you know send help yep send you know this is where they are and they send a whole bunch of boats and people out there you know and and fred oh
3: my god drives I, off into the canadian wilderness no no yes yeah, i can he's, see he's,
0: it i i can see it so vividly fred alone on this ranger boat driving back you know piloting it back to to shore and pulling up you know maybe there's even people there at the shore maybe there's not but he alone has to haul um why am I blanking on her name?
3: Connie.
2: Oh, the ranger. Connie. Oh, right. Connie. Connie Dearborn.
0: Connie. He, he has to haul Connie Dearborn's body back to the rangers and then explain what happened. Yep. You know, or does he? Does he just leave it, her body? What does he do in that he case? He just leaves the body in the boat and dips. Like, it's just oh my like God. the body
2: and, 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 trailer. He could also radio them from the boat. There's a, what's he's affixing? Yep. And they can meet him somewhere. And like, he can just meet them at the dock. And like, here's your boat. Here's your Dead Ranger. Here's what happened. <laughs> I gotta run. I'll, s- <laughs> yep. I'll see you guys. Good luck.
3: Yeah, honestly, I think that's that's pretty much like exactly that. Like, here's what happened. Do not look for me. Uh, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> that's 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 pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, but I I loved I loved Connie how how it, it kind of played into it and that that whole promise thing. Like it 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 was a good. Yeah, it was a good character growth, I feel like, for Fred, kind of, in that scenario. Um, Yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. And and for what it's worth, that was all dice rolls. The fact that she died and was that injured and everything was 100% dice rolls, from the damage that happened to the fact that she ended up actually getting shot in the first place, Mm. to the way that you guys tried to heal her and how it it didn't work. And then, yeah, everything. I just left it up to the dice, and it, it just worked out like that. Um, she was not a big part of the play test. Um, she was in it. She was always in, in the newspaper as being the ranger that was responsible for finding, um, Russell Phillips's, uh, Jeep, but um, she didn't go that with the was party in, in the play test. Well, no. Your, yeah. Well, your play no, testers did, th-
2: did kayaks, right? They just took the kayaks.
0: Oh yeah. They, they did it. Yeah. Exactly. What, mm. what Bernard lane. Yeah. He just, you know, gave him the kayaks and, uh, or canoes or whatever they are. Not, not it wouldn't be kayaks. They'd need at least canoes to be able to pilot all their um
3: yeah, all good their stuff. Qu-
0: such
4: good players taking the hand the pro-offered tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
0: Can you imagine? I, I'll be honest. Right. That was um there were two two real major moments in the way that you guys played this that completely blew my mind as a GM. And it was it was the fact that immediately you guys are like, well, I know we have got canoes, but like, we need a speedboat, you know, so we can't we just a do this. Real surely we boat. can get a speedboat somewhere. good Yeah. Yep. Could, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm like, I can't give them a real boat. Cause then they can just go back and forth all they want.
4: And then you know, like, I need them
0: there. I need them camping. Right. Well, well, I, yeah. So you did for a while. Right. right. And, and the way that I solved that problem was I had one of the Kronos guys, um, bust up your boat. Uh, which I think I would think led to a really good moment for, you know, when you've got this, this wounded Ranger, you're trying to get her back. You're trying to get her help. And I I had in my head like, okay, there's a certain point. Once they cross this threshold, they cannot go back. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that was how it ended up happening. Uh, The other moment was Connie. Uh, It was the, uh, um, somebody said it was probably Tom. Um, Somebody said something along the lines of, We should see if we can get one of the rangers to come with us, or one of the RCMP um, folks to come with us, and like just be backup. You know, like we're gonna bring in an army to this to this island, and I'm like, I'm sitting here stressing, like, no, they can't bring backup. Like it's it's against the rules. (laughs) And and, uh, just kill her off. (laughs) And it was well, it was almost almost immediately, like within within minutes, I changed my mind, and I'm like, okay, all right, I'll give them backup. I know exactly what to do, and that was how Connie kind of entered the scene. And I'm I'm so glad that that happened. Yep, Mm
4: -hmm. I feel like she tortured Arjun a lot. Like it (laughs) made the Arjun character less reckless. Like somehow Arjun was the most reckless out of all of us, which is interesting.
2: Because I I don't know. Yes and no. He's um. I tried to play him. I'm trying to put the words. Very, I try to play him very by the book. Right. Very by the book, but also, like, um, ends justify the means.
4: That's why well. reckless feels like he, the wrong Both word. of those things. You yeah. Know? Like, as soon as logic says do this, fucking we're doing it. Right? Like, that's yeah. that's what's going on. And I don't know. I felt like she played off of that really well. And then she gave Fred more stuff to worry about at night. Like, to haunt his <laughs> dreams, basically. <laughs> yep.
0: Yep, mm-hmm. That was so good. I just, I, I love the scene where her, uh, Connie and, and Arjun are like having this kind of debate about ghosts and do you believe in ghosts? And like all that stuff and, like, <laughs> Eugene just pulls out a gun fires it <laughs> into the air. What a crazy person.
4: <laughs> well like, so me the player and uh, Eugene, I think we're both fed up with it at the same level. Eugene was just like stuck in the woods with it so the reaction was strong, right? Yeah, that makes sense. And we were very... Mm, at that point, we didn't have direction. Like, we weren't we weren't on a path going anywhere. And I, I as a player, and Eugene as the character, were like, no, nah, I'm done with that. Like, let's figure out where we're go. Let's go... I don't care what the path is, but let's get on it. Yep. So that was a lot of what that was. And I still, like, I kind of... Thought about that after. That was one of those times where I didn't check my flow of consciousness coming out of my mouth. Just like, sure. that just kind of happened. I was like, I don't know if that was
0: the <laughs> smartest thing to have done there. That oh, was amazing. It was so good.
3: I don't know. It, 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 felt, it felt natural with how Eugene was. Just like, has an idea. Totally.
4: And I saw it, it fully played out. Like, he did it super calm. Like, just standing there, reaches over, grabs it checks it spins the cylinder puts it back you know like
0: yep and and for what it's worth i feel like um there's really not a problem with that you know like you're you're on a desert island fucking shoot a gun that's fine yep um you know as long as you're careful about it uh but i think i think in the moment it was really it was really fun to have connie be so opposed to it because she's a ranger this is reckless you know you don't know what you could be shooting at um you know there was no warning uh, nobody had time to cover their ears Like, but, but it was what Eugene said and she's like, why did you do that? And, and what Eugene said was basically like to find out what's here. Right. And that's when you heard that noise, that, that kind of rumbling noise deep within, what do you guys think that was? A creature we didn't get to encounter.
2: Yeah. Thankfully. But yeah, I thought it was just one of the mutated creatures is what I was thinking.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was the color. Like now that I'm. Super retroactively reanalyzing it. I think it was something that was affected. I was always thinking it was like a bear or a large yep. creature with that was already distraught and then the noise just made it worse, right?
3: I don't know. I mean? don't know what it was. Maybe it was the cave system underneath. I, I'm not sure.
4: I guess the you apparently. know what it was, huh? Are you going to enlighten us? No. No?
0: No, no, no. no. <laughs> can't tell you it's in my contract I'm not allowed to reveal it
3: damn you nah. uh, I
0: just wanted to say uh, I, I really loved the way that, that this turned out Um, I'm super super happy with it and this was one of the first experiences I've had running something homebrewed that was like fully fleshed out oh you know only homebrew I've done in the past has been kind of off the cuff writing it each week sort of a thing Um, this time it was like, here's a story, you know, I've got, I've got three acts, I've got this structure, yada, yada, yada. And the way that you guys reacted to all of the stuff that you were experiencing helped me, um, fuel that story in, in a way that I felt I personally, I really loved, I really felt like it worked, um, very well. I hope you guys feel the same. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to say before we wrap up?
2: Oh, yeah, I got other ideas. <laughs> uh, one thing is, um, I, I really enjoyed how, uh, I mean, Wes and I got to create some new characters, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. And I got to uh, do we got a little character arc for these characters, and we got to learn who these characters were and watch them, yeah. you know, kind of figure them out. It always, it always takes a couple hours of actual playing the character before you figure them out. And I, yeah. I, was, I was really starting to kind of uh, connect with the character of Arjun, like in the second half, I think. It took me a while in the beginning. I was, trying to, I was trying more of the archetype. I was kind of playing with it. I was trying to figure out where he fits and how to, you know. But, like, later on, some of my favorite things in this story, or in the third act, where the other characters are, are causing Arjun to do things that I don't think he would normally do. Uh, I mean, like, um, the, the wonderful moment where Fred just shoots the security guy just out of nowhere because that guy's being an asshole and Fred just is sick of it. Yep. You know, and when Arjun was in the middle of trying to talk at this guy into like, you know, surrendering and, you know, we can get you off the island. It's OK. We can, you know, we can actually we have, we're the government. We can save you. And, and Fred's just like, fuck this. He just shoots the guy. And is like, uh, uh, like, uh, they're, the, the whole thing is like, oh, fuck. Yep. Yep. I, Perhaps I, I, was in I was trying. Yep. I was trying. That was great. a great. I love that line. I, but then, and then later on, what, what is this character doing the autopsy? Oh, um, oh that was then, wicked. And then he's like, "Arshu, come here and look at this. And I'm like, oh, my God. So <laughs> that was intentional.
4: This. The autopsy, I didn't and realize. So of course, yep.
2: I, I love it because I realized, you know what? He would do it. He doesn't want to do it, but he, he will do it. He will, whatever it is that has to be done, he will do it. And I, I, liked, I enjoy that about the character. That, that, that kind of certain, that duty, that, or that, that, yeah. um, that he's, he's going to do his job no matter how much he likes or dislikes what he has to do. He's going to get
3: his job done. And,
2: that was that was fun He's to play.
3: Bound to it, yeah. I I really liked that whole sequence. West of like fucking doing an autopsy, and then and then Arjun is there just kind of looking at it and like trying to calm down the other scientists. Just showing how fucking far gone <laughs> all of us are. <laughs> just these borderline maniacs on a mission. Uh, yeah, it was great. So
4: like it was super conscious to do the the autopsy. Like I thought that would work really well and give us oh, some yeah, information yeah. that we needed. But the Arjun part, like, that was, like, I actually thought that was really good because it was playing off of, like, Arjun and Eugene have a pre-existing relationship. They understand how each other works and all that shit. And I just thought it was really good for, fuck, I need this data. He's going to hate me for this, but he's going to do it anyway. I know he will. <laughs> yep. And the, It just played out so well. I, I really enjoyed that scene also.
0: And it was... Yeah, that was really awesome. Did... um. Did you guys have any favorite moments?
4: Hmm. I like talking to the fish, like sticking my head underwater and trying to talk to the fish. Like that was a fucking great. I really wanted to go back to that and have like, I don't know, like a conversation, like more of like a, I don't know, like walk in and sit down and s- at the fire and talk to the fish. Right. Like, you know, like have yeah, sure. a full experience with that, but I didn't want to go. We still needed to get the shit done, right? Like, the goal of the mission mm-hmm. was not talk to the animals. It was rescue the team that we kind of completely ignored for 20 days.
0: <laughs> and that that spell is expensive, too, with willpower.
2: Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, I I really, really enjoyed being able to play a magic user for the first time mm-hmm. probably ever in a Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green. Dude, I kind of love game. seeing
4: that, because, like, in my head, before Arjun... I didn't think magic was an archetype that was possible in Delta Green, and you really did a great job showing at least me that that was possible and kind of how different it is from any other magic system that exists. I really enjoyed that part yeah, of totally. this particular playthrough.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm happy to hear that. So I, I really, I didn't want to like, oh, give him Wither or give him any of these attack spells. Right. Yeah, that just, that's, I think that's, that's what cultists do. That's been played out. I wanted to do something that was useful and interesting and, and fit more his character he's kind of more of a peaceful nature I, I felt so I really picked these kind of more peaceful inquisitive investigative mm-hmm. tools that I thought would be useful and tried my best to f- find good moments in the story to really plug those in
4: how sustainable yeah. is that though like how fast was Arjun going to burn out
2: <sighs> I mean I had 15 willpower but still I was burning that quickly and, and every time you do it you lose sanity right. so yeah. it's, it's it's a, it's a it's not that sustainable <laughs> for a, a player character to do um okay. but it's it's oh, it's so useful yeah at, at moments at moments um, it, but it's not something that players should be like uh, you yeah, should, know
4: rewinding should spam, time should spam it and
3: you
2: then
4: know? getting to watch what yep. happened is yeah kind of strong
3: yep, yep
0: a little bit oh yeah absolutely
3: and the way the way this was all described was really really cool like it's it's unnatural like it's not like this guy isn't just like imagining things like he's living it like mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah that was cool yep
0: did you have any favorite moment matt
3: it's very simple but it's, it's when the connie died and we were all like fuck what, what are we gonna do we'll bring back her her body at the shore and i can't remember mm-hmm. who stepped on the boat and tried to start it and it, and it didn't that was like oh my god fuck <laughs> like okay here we go we're stuck here just just like it was just like a punch in, in the gut we're like oh god okay she just died Things are, are kind of bad here. And then like, okay, we'll go back, and then we can't. Like, so th- it was it was just like the the fucking elbow drop uh, after the punch. It was like, oh okay, we're in this now. Let's go. Um Yeah, that
2: that was a great moment because we had once we were trapped on the island, our our entire story changed. Yep. You know, and we had yep, sure. to completely change the way we were handling things. Absolutely. We were in it, and I think all of us, our, our role play got focused. And our char- we really got into character and really dived into the investigation.
4: That was It's really crazy how fun. you got, I think you got all three of us with that. Because, like, I was going back to the boat, fully expecting to go back. Like, the thought of, yeah, no, the boat's not going to work wasn't there. So, for you to get all three of us with that, I thought was really good.
0: Yep. You guys were like, uh, all right, well, we go back to the boat and we head back to shore and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, hang on a second. <laughs> <Hang> <laughs> no, on a you second. don't. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so actually, um, Matt, so Connie, um, wasn't quite dead yet when you guys got on the boat and Mm. and started, tried to start it up, but, but it was, it was like this moment of realization of like, the boat's not starting, something is missing and now Connie is dead. She's, yeah, she's going to die
3: here. I mean, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I really loved that scene. I, that was completely, like I said, completely improvised. Um, yep. Like I didn't expect that to happen, uh, and I, I think you guys did a great job of bringing that together, of like both the boat and Connie at the same time. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. It was
3: grim, like even if it were Delta Green, like I, the way you described yeah. it as well, it was like it was visceral. It was like, oh my god, <laughs> shit. If it was a movie, <laughs> yeah.
4: it would have been so like the tones would have been so dark, and there would have been film yeah. grain, and it would just would have been. Uh.
0: And I can totally see that she like area.
2: slowly died too. Yep. It was it was like yep. I was thinking, oh, she'll she'll just we have a couple hours, she'll pass out. No,
4: no, <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> she, yep. she, she Taylor saw. rolled
4: like twice or something, and then it was over. Like I thought, we had a I, rolled a.
0: I rolled a few things. I think I rolled maybe four or five rolls throughout the whole thing. Mm. Um, mm. the last question I have for you because I do want to wrap this up pretty soon here. Uh, What? is your character's sanity at the end of Painting Darkness? <laughs> Good
2: question. Good question. Uh, for Arjun... Um, and Willpower. Yeah, I, My breaking point... That's not it, though. Where is my sanity? I'll, I'll keep looking while you guys are figuring out, too.
3: Okay, I got it at 34. Holy cow. Yep.
0: Where, where is Fred at when we started Ladybug?
3: Ladybug, I believe he was at, like, 45.
0: So oh, okay. That's, okay. that's still pretty low.
3: Or, I was going to
0: say, I thought maybe he was, like, 50-something. You was that low something. at the start of Ladybug? Damn. Yeah,
2: so um, Arjun was at 41. It's the last okay. number I've right. written down. And his breaking point went down to 27, it looks like. So, okay.
4: Oof. Yeah, so I crossed a breaking point, and mm-hmm. I'm currently at 37 with four willpower.
0: Um, for those of you who cross breaking points, um, so Wes uh, and I don't know if anybody else did, but what do you think happened to our, uh, to Eugene as a result of that? Um, typically, you know, a traumatic event like that can provoke some kind of, um, you know. I, I know uh, exactly. Yeah, go ahead. He retired.
4: That that was the end. Like that was the thing okay. that broke him from doing it professionally whatsoever anymore.
0: Okay. That's a crossing out of motivation for sure. Yeah, like he went back to the office and
4: started immediately cleaning up and getting ready to fucking be done.
0: Do you think he picked up any mental disorders or any any kind of long term traumas from that event? From that mission? Hmm, I don't know. I hadn't thought okay. about that. I will yeah, think about okay. that though. So we've got a couple questions from our Discord. Um Both of which were asked by Zero Dead, who's Sebastian of the Zero Dead podcast. Uh, First question were, what were your inspirations in writing this story? Which I I talked a little bit about that earlier, but um, the biggest one obviously is the color out of space. The second biggest one would be Annihilation. But I will say um, beyond those two things, which I I love them both very much, um, beyond those things, I have had in my head this Descent story for a very long time. Um, I've tried it in a number of different ways. Uh, I've run it as a Pathfinder adventure that takes place on an island, going into a mountain and going down. Um, I've, I've done it in a few different ways and a huge, huge part of that. Um, the part of the inspiration for that descent story um, are kind of two things, house of leaves and Dante's Inferno, which I'm, I'm a big fan of both of those stories and the concept of what's called Katabasis um, or a descent into the underworld. I really, really love that motif um, as, as something that a hero or, or heroes can do in a story because of the symbolic elements of it, of, of going underground and going into the subconscious, going deeper and emerging, um, changed, uh, which I, I'm, I'm a really big fan of those concepts, but,
4: um, man, you need to finish Starfield, which you probably haven't even started, I haven't even started but- Starfield. <laughs> Yeah, I finished it yesterday, and that is exactly wow. one of the fucking things that it touches on is that. Like,
0: Interesting. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the second question, which I, I will say is more for you guys, but um, I can chip in too. What would you have done if Fred had died? <laughs> or actually it says if Fred Dunn and died Yep. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, what, I, Matt?
2: I'm curious what you guys had in store. What, what did you have in mind?
3: Nothing. <laughs> so we talked oh, no. about it... I
4: remember talking about it twice. Oh, man. Once, right... That's like, a, way before yeah. we started. And then we talked about it, like, yep. three-quarters of the way through. Like, we're like, how... Mm-hmm. Like, I know I said how much plot armor does Fred have, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, I was wondering, too. I mean... The, I, I don't want to... S- I don't want to spoil anything in Annihilation, but... I'll I'll just say there's a motif in there, and... The, well, a motif, a whole fucking event in the movie, uh, where where... You're not quite sure who, if a person no. is the same at the end. Uh, so if Fred had died, what I would have recommended is he just comes back and he's there. Uh, it, perhaps he starts even. out made of, of like he's got patches of plant fiber and matter. He's got exactly the same memories. He's just kind of wrong. Uh, and over time, he kind of, nature repairs itself, quote unquote, and he just com- looks completely identical, but he remembers dying. And and being mm-hmm. back. Uh, that's what I... So, like, a copy. Like, a clone of... of, of an unnatural clone of Fred is what I would have uh, gone for.
4: Dude, why didn't Fred die? That's fucking awesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know.
0: It just... It, it didn't work out that way. And, li- like... Yep. So, Matt and I were both pretty persistent. Because you guys mentioned this whole, like, plot armor thing a few times. And we, we both agreed pretty early on. Like, there's no plot armor. If Fred right. dies... Yep. He dies and we will deal with it in some way, but he just didn't die. You know, he was never in a situation that, that really would have killed him except for the last encounter. Um, and you guys handled it, uh, pretty well. I will say, because I don't know if it was just Matt or if all of you were rolling those power checks, uh, you don't want to fail those power checks. Yeah, uh, the failed, color I has an ability. One, and I, I lost
2: about one. 15 pow in the process. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: The 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 uh, color has an ability called Malaise, which I, I was using kind of a modified version of the stats from the Handler's Guide, mixed with the stats from um, Karkov Tractor Station or Machine Tractor Station Karkov Thirty Seven, um, mixed with kind of my own interpretation of what the color was. But um, yeah, that that ability saps your POW permanently. And then once, and it it gives it more POW and um, something that people might know or might not know about a color out of space is once it reaches a certain level of POW, which I think is 35, uh, it transcends uh, into a new dimension. Um, You'll have introduced me to some of the most fucked
4: up big BEGs that I've heard of. Mm -hmm. They're non- they're non-dealable, like there's there's paths to deal with a lot of them. It's, these just—they're uh, so far past what anybody can reasonably
2: deal with. That's welcome. Welcome to our next story, Wes. <laughs> yeah. Oh
4: God. Don't. I'm really to attached me. to Willow, Tom. <laughs> it,
2: it, I hope. I hope not. But well, we'll see it. You, uh, but this. Uh, this next story is is like uh, playing Russian roulette, in certain ways. You want to yeah. give us
0: a brief spoiler or a brief uh, a brief teaser for it?
2: I mean, we can we can post one. Um, I don't know if you want to do a post, a, tr- a spoiler, a trailer, whatever. A spoiler trailer, but I mean, we'll, we'll, it's,
0: we'll do a teaser, but okay. I, I just meant here at the end of this. Do you want to give the audience something about what, maybe what direction that's going in? I mean,
2: I'm trying to think of a, a best way to do it without
0: Nolan's in the 90s. I mean, is I,
2: Of course, after episode one, I think it spells it out. I mean, it was one of those. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. nice thing oh, about well. this. This next story is it's not like a mystery investigation. There's a mystery, but it's not like. Sure. It's not like we just did with Painting Darkness, where it's like something happened. You don't know what. Um, go out in the wilderness for a couple of weeks and you'll figure it out eventually.
0: Figure it out. Yep.
2: <laughs> but this one is like, w- welcome to my office. This is what's happening. You're fucking dealing with it right now. It, and I, I, you know, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry I'm sending you to do this, but this is the problem. Yep. These are the rules. These are the stakes. Um, I, I uh, Forgive me. That's kind mm-hmm. of, that's the I opening salvo of this next story. So right out the gate, uh, the, the, the three characters realize, the, the sh- well, they sort of realize the shit they're in, sort of. But there's also so many unknowns, and, and there's protocols they must follow. Yep. Uh, there are very specific rules they are given, um, and very specific directives they are given, and equipment they are given to deal with a, an unknown vector that has the potential to pretty much destroy all of them and pretty much everything.
0: Well, um, <laughs> why don't we play it?
2: Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, okay, I guess we do that. All right. Let's
0: go. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh hope, hope you've enjoyed this wrap-up, and uh, I hope you enjoy what is to come next. Say goodbye, everyone.
1: Bye. Later. Bye-bye. God are the day. I was young I was a garden then The stars I looked upon Are behind us now But they will come around again You'll be as old as I am And dust returns